0: I'd like to welcome you to this April Ask the Expert call. Now, without any further delay, I'd like to introduce today's host, David Molman with Align Technology. David, you now have the floor.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar. Can can aligners really do that? Mastering Class II Treatment with Invisalign with Dr. Regina Blevins. You'll learn two CE hours for attending today's program, and you'll receive important instructions on how to obtain your CE certificate at the conclusion of the presentation. Additionally, CE hours will automatically be added to your Invisalign doctor site account. Please note you're able to listen to today's program via the webcast, and throughout the webinar, you'll have the opportunity to ask text questions which our presenter will answer at the conclusion of the presentation. I apologize in advance if we're unable to answer everyone's questions since our time is limited, but we will follow up after the program to answer any outstanding text questions. Today's program will be archived in its entirety one week from today on the Education tab of your Invisalign doctor site, where you may also access archived versions of all of our previous Ask the Expert programs anytime for CE hours. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Regina Blevins. Dr. Regina Blevins has been treating Invisalign patients since 2000 and has treated over 2,500 Invisalign patients at her orthodontic practice in Minneapolis. Dr. Blevins started her career in dentistry in 1980 as a dental hygiene graduate and then went on to attend the University of Michigan where she received her degree in dentistry. Her appreciation and love for the fine, Art of the Cosmetic Side of Dentistry led her to pursue her orthodontic graduate training at the University of Minnesota, where she received her Master of Science and a certificate in orthodontics. Dr. Blevins enjoys staying up to date on the latest developments in orthodontics by maintaining a rigorous continuing education schedule. Her professional memberships include the American Association of Orthodontists, the American Dental Association, the Dakota County Study Club, the St. Paul District Dental Society, and the Minnesota Association of Orthodontists, where she has served as both vice president and president. She's a top 1% Invisalign provider and the number one Invisalign provider in Minnesota. Dr. Blevins is a faculty member of Align Technology and an adjunct prep professor at the University of Minnesota. And Dr. Blevins, after reading all that, I'm wondering what I've been doing with my life. So, without further delay, I'm going to turn the program over to Dr. Blevins. Dr. Blevins, you know it before.
0: Good morning, David, and thank you all for calling in today to listen. Um, as David said, I'm coming from the beautiful area of Minneapolis-St. Paul where, yes, we may get snow on Sunday, so lucky me. Um, But today we're going to talk about uh, class two treatments. We're going to go through the whole spectrum from some of our younger patients all the way up to a case where we've used uh, surgery. But uh, just to get a little housekeeping out of the way, the statements, views, and opinions expressed in this program and related course material are mine. Align technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions. Attendees are responsible for legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral program. A little bit about me, as David said, I started out as a dental hygienist, and I've worked in just about every aspect of the dental office. Um, I have a wonderful crew and I literally could not do what I do without my work crew and their smiling faces. I'm also a working mom with four teens and um, a wonderful husband who's also an orthodontist. Um, we don't practice together because we want to stay married, but uh, we do talk about spaces and Invisalign at home at the dinner table. And, and the smiling face up here is my strategic account manager, Tracy, and her husband, Greg, and she's been key in helping us grow our InDesign practice. I think David covered all this about me, and so we'll go right on to the next slide. Um, our agenda today uh, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit about why uh, I decided to. And our Invisalign uh, portion of our practice. And then we'll get into uh, a phase one case, uh, some mild class two cases that we treated with elastic, some little more complicated cases that we treat with distillization. We'll talk about a severe crowding case that we used extractions. And again, we'll wrap up the class two cases with a surgery case. And if we have time, um, we'll go through a lower uh, incisor extraction. My journey to um, top 1% provider, uh, like I, uh, David said, started in the year 2000. And like many of you out there, I probably uh, did cases and then pulled away from Invisalign and went back to it. Um, each time I went back to it, I was a little happier with it. It had improved somewhat, but um, still it wasn't even with uh being an elite provider status wasn't the main focus of our practice and there were some events that happened in our practice that uh, led us to kind of rethink where we were at and what we were doing this is dr. G and um, my practice wouldn't be complete without her. we practice practiced for over 20 years together and we make big decisions together. And one of those uh, decisions is what kind of brackets or what kind of uh, aligner therapy we're gonna use and how much of that we're comfortable doing. And we try to be of one mind when we practice. Um, but one of the things that, that occurred happened um, a turning point in 2012-2013, and it caused us to really re-examine how we were running our practice, and it led to us wanting to make the change. And that big event, our tipping point, was for the first time in 20-some years, our practice starts actually went down, and we had gotten uh, used to having at least a mild growth, but steady growth nonetheless. And our practice starts for 2013, when we looked at the end of the year, uh, both our income had decreased and our practice starts at degrees. And uh, that was a little bit scary. So uh, we examined quite a few things on how to handle that. Uh, take less money home, uh, lay staff off, or one of the things that our accountant said was could we differentiate ourselves in our marketplace and try to recapture what we had lost? So that question that he asked us really resonated. So Dalia and I met several times thinking about what we could do to really differentiate our practice. And we kept coming back to the one thing that we both could see uh, happening, and that was Invisalign. We we were getting increased number of patients coming in asking about Invisalign, and sure, we were offering it. Like I said, we were a lead provider, but we weren't really, really firmly recommending it or even prescribing it. It was kind of an maybe even an afterthought. The other thing we've looked at is that over the 10 years that we've been doing this line, it has steadily increased from, in 10 years, one million patients, to the next three years, two million patients, and then in two more years, over three million patients. And that announcement happened right around the time that our practice was declining. So uh, we looked in the mirror and thought, could we piggyback off this tremendous success that at Invisalign happened. And as you know now, Invisalign has treated over 4 million patients and is still uh, experiencing tremendous growth. And the trend that they're predicting now is that there'll be at least a million, if not more, patients treated per year. So if Invisalign was the answer, we wanted to know what could that bring to our practice that would differentiate us? Well, we already knew from the patients that we had been seeing that the patient experience with Invisalign was different. These patients we were seeing for fewer visits, we had virtually no emergency appointments, and our patients kept telling us how easy Invisalign treatment was for their lifestyle. So looking at our practice, we knew that we were getting patients coming in, new patient exams that were actually coming in, specifically seeking out Invisalign. And we noticed in the marketplace that Invisalign was doing print ad marketing, radio marketing, and certainly the TV ads as well. So those were some of the things that we uh, wanted to try to piggyback on. Then the other question was, could we be profitable with Invisalign? So, we pulled out some of our Bracket Wire patients and Invisalign patients and uh, compared uh, what we were seeing as numbers for uh, profitability per per visit, and Invisalign was higher. Um, uh, Not dramatically higher, but higher where Invisalign really outshone the bracket and wire patients were uh, profitability per hour because our typical Invisalign patient appointment was between 10 and 15 minutes and our bracket and wire adjustment patients were at least 30 minutes apiece. And uh, last but not least, uh, with that chair-side efficiency, uh, even with a lab bill with Invisalign, we were seeing a higher profitability with Invisalign patients. And we also saw that our Invisalign patients were directly referring their family and friends. So what happened once we made a mental uh, change and decided to focus on Invisalign in our practice? Uh, as you can see from this bar graph that I put together for you, Um, In the first year, uh, our practice rebounded in 2014. Now, mind you, we didn't implement all the changes right away. We didn't start really getting into the full swing until the second half of 2014. So looking at the first year that we had this new mindset for 2015, you can see that we did quite well. And in 2017, um, our practice has just skyrocketed. Now why is this teen market so remarkable? Well, it's the first generation that can share every aspect of their life very easily. They post everything on social media. They share everything with their friends. And that's uh, that's a mixed, mixed blessing because if they love you, everyone's gonna know about it. But if you get the um, reputation for being the practice in town that's a Debbie Downer in, not uh, effective uh, and a fun place at the same time uh, that can really hurt your business and what uh, we found once we really dived into the invisalign team market is that it truly was a great practice differentiator now one of our hesitations was that we didn't know if our teams were going to be great aligner wearers and we were very pleasantly surprised because uh, they were better aligner wearers, certainly, than uh, a lot of our adult patients. So that has not been a problem for us. And stepping back and asking ourselves why they're such great aligner wearers, it dawned on me when I was watching my girls at home uh, taking selfies that these kids are highly motivated to have beautiful smiles. And no other generation has walked around with a camera on the end of their arm 24 uh, 7 uh taking pictures of themselves so you have a very highly motivated generation the other thing about these teens is if you enhance their experience uh, for sure they're going to tell their friends but the other thing that's very apparent in our practice is we started getting the parents they were seeing what an easy experience uh, this aligner therapy was for their teens and that they could recapture either uh, teeth that had gotten crooked from not wearing their own retainers, or they had always wanted orthodontics that hadn't gotten it in the past. Uh, and we saw these patients' uh, parents starting to enroll, and the parents of their friends at, uh, coming in and starting treatment with us as well. So our practice. Uh, started gaining some growth momentum in 2016 and 2017. Uh, Our 2017 first quarter numbers are again up. And uh, the interesting thing when we examined it, our Invisalign as a percentage of our overall starts has really gone up. And it's actually 71% in the first quarter our, our starts when Invisalign starts. Now the bar graph, I put in to show you that our starts aren't really at the expense of our bracket and wire patients. Our bracket and wire patients, uh, once we rebounded, has stayed pretty steady uh, at around the 600-650 mark. Where we've really seen the growth is in the Invisalign teens and also the Invisalign adult. So that was all great news and uh, I hope that if you get into uh, more Invisalign treatment and certainly Invisalign team treatment, you'll see uh, this kind of growth in your practice as well. Now this is uh, just a summary slide to show you uh, the trend in our practice. Uh, Granted the graphs are not to scale, uh, but you can see from uh, our early numbers in 2000 or the end of year numbers in 2013 to uh, 2016 uh, that our case starts have almost tripled. But if that hasn't convinced you yet that Invisalign can be a great part of your practice, then let's get uh, roll our sleeves up and really look at uh, some of the cases that come into our practice every day. Um, a big part of an orthodontic practice is treating class two patients. And what I hope to do with the rest of the hour today is go through the whole spectrum and show you a little taste of uh, many different kinds of class two treatment that you can uh, see in your practice. So let's start with our phase one case. This is Harley. Harley came to me as an 11 year old, uh, four month uh, uh, sweetheart of a girl. And uh, my heart really broke for her because uh, her chief complaint was being teased because she had fangs. And um, his few days uh, can really be uh, harsh. And the psychosocial reason for treating uh, kids today is really a big factor in in some of our cases. But Harley's diagnosis was a class 2 dental division 2 malocclusion. She was full class 2. She had a skeletal uh, class 2 tendency. And as you can see from her photographs, she had a deep bite. Um, With the division 2 aspect, she had minimal overjet and moderate uh, upper and lower crowding, her arch form on both arches was somewhat tapered with mid-arch narrowing and her lower midline was to the right of her facial midline. My prescription for Harley was upper and lower Invisalign treatment uh, with a focus on proclining her maxillary interiors and rounding out her arch form doing some posterior arch expansion and uh, running some class two elastics to facilitate her anterior posterior correction. I anticipated Harley's treatment to take approximately 12 months. Here's Harley's uh, pan and step. And as you can see, um, her cuspids are slightly angled and could benefit from some uh, additional space. Here's her trace Steph, and from her division two malocclusion, you can see her A and B is a little uh, low, but I anticipate that that will change as we procline her teeth. So let's look at our first clean check. Some of the things that I want you to focus on while we're looking at Harley's clean check is um, I always watch for rotations uh, when I'm doing a clean check because. If anything will cause teeth to stop cracking, it's when they bump into other teeth. So we're gonna watch for collision. We're gonna be very conscious of root control for seven and 10, because we don't want her roots of her lateral incisors to distalize and run into the crowns of her canine teeth and risk uh, root resorption. And then we're also gonna look at aging and how long it's going to take because um, we want to have some time for those light class two elastics to work. So um, while I'm pulling this up, uh, think about all these little class two cases that you get in your practice that come in for a lot of emergencies. Uh, because they bump their brackets off all the time, especially in a division two case like this where uh, they have such a deep fight. But here is Harley. And this side is more class two than the other side. So let's look at this one first. Now we're playing it out. You can see that I've put attachments uh, even on for primary teeth. I need enough retention so that her elastics don't dislodge her aligners and I am running a light class 2 ounce uh, 516th elastic with her. And let's look at this side and we're getting uh, some room for the uh, lower canine. I was experimenting at the time using uh, eruption compensation and pontics, and I'm still not sure which one I like the best, but the thing I like about pontics is that you can leave space on either side here, as like you see, and that can keep your adjacent teeth wrapped in plastic. So I want to show you one more thing here from the beginning, how uh, we're leaving the roots of the lateral incisors uh, and very slowly uh, moving them as we make space. And this is a little hard to do with brackets and wires, but with invisalign, line, you can uh, leave them all the way to the end even uh, and not correct them if you think it's a real danger. But here she is at our anticipated clincheck finish. And um, we've uh, extruded her lateral incisors a little bit. And um, I'm just gonna show you one more view and then one more on. Notice how I've got the uh, lingual bite ramp And those, I'm gonna back up just a little bit. I wanna show you. They come and go based on the amount of overjet. So they may be present for the first month, two months, three months, just depends on how that overjet reacts. So a little bit more I want to talk to you, because it's very important, about extruding teeth. The tooth that seems to be the most complicated tooth to extrude for me is the lateral incisor. So this video is going to show some key points. Always, always be safe on either side of the lateral before you start to really move it. And then I use Dr. Nicazee's technique of proclining the tooth and then using relative extrusion uh, to bring the tooth down. So I'll show you that now in this view. And first, we make space and procline. And then the two extrudes and comes down. So that was a very key thing to having these lateral incisors trapped. So here's Charlie, and um, I. I bet you'd all agree on that she's not getting teased about her teeth anymore. She's a beautiful girl. Um, on her eighth month progress uh, x-ray, I just wanted to make sure that the uh, cuspid teeth were starting to drop down, and they were, um, and it's a what I would call now um, a very easy phase two at some point if she needs to be finished up. and we had a lovely profile change for her so far. And as anticipated, her A and B is a little larger now because we pulled poor her teeth, but everything is in pretty good shape now uh, going forward. So let's look at a case that is in my practice now a slam dunk, uh, it's a little bit older case, a little bit older child, but it's a mild class 2 that we treated with elastic. This is Grace, and she was 12 years old when she came to our practice. She was referred by her dentist for a deep bite. And she has a class two, uh, again, a little bit of a division two dental malocclusion, and she's half plus class two, right and left. Um, I would call her a dental or a skeletal class one, uh, deep bite, uh, minimal overjet, Uh, mild upper and lower crowding, and tapered arches, Uh, slight midline uh, discrepancies. And what we prescribe for her is upper and lower midline treatment to develop her arches, some light plastic elastics to facilitate her AP correction. And again, we're gonna need some extrusion attachments and bring down both teeth uh, six and seven And the key in this case that I want you to focus on is how the rotation of her maxillary molars help us facilitate uh, and make this a a case that's fairly straightforward. Uh, Her x-rays really are non-contributory. She has fairly normal A and B. And again, I like to look at uh, how I set my cases up to make sure everything matches, and you can see she's about a half-cusp class two dentist. Um, this is a handy chart that was developed by Dr. Sandy Tai that I like to use with my students at the U, and it's a good reminder for myself that um, uh, looking at the severity of the class two malocclusion and what treatment modality fit the situation. And with a grace being a half a cup class two, with a skeletal class one, with an orthognathic or balanced face, she fits right into this class two simulation jump category. The keys to uh, setting out the treatment plan for a case like this is first, like we just did, evaluate the severity of the class two. Decide if elastics will get you from point A to point B. Check for molar rotation, and I'm going to show you that in depth in a minute, to see if that's going to help your class 2 correction. When it does, I ask for the molar to rotate or pivot off a stationary limbal cut rather than the whole tooth rotating, and that gives me a little better correction. Again, I use a 2 or 4-ounce light elastic. 5 Typically, I start at the beginning. And you can actually do a shorter elastic depending on the position of the canine, because you might have to run it off the bicuspid area. Um, and then you'll also need to decide where to put your attachments and how many, looking at the clinical crown length and the strength of your elastics that you're going to use. And then, as I'll tell you, with every case, whenever you have a rotation, make sure you're checking for visual space before the rotation. So Grace's approved ClinCheck had 37 stages. And um, again, I slowed her movement down from the original ClinCheck because I thought it was a little fast for her elastic to actually uh, be effective. Now, uh, you can either ask for passive aligners at the end to run your elastic, or you can slow your movement and have the movement stretched out longer. I typically tend to stretch out the movement, but either way uh, will work. But here is phrase. Again, this side is half past two. And we have our elastic hooks. We've got our rotation attachment on our cuspid and the toe is rotating and coming down. Same on this side. And 37 stages translates to about uh, eight months. I've been doing weekly aligner changes for well over three years now and find that it works very well for me.
1: This is the
0: view that I really want you to see though. This right here, this molar rotation, pivoting off the lingual cusp will really help in the class two correction and this is very similar to when we place a molar bracket on the tooth and we we cheated a little bit to the medial to help with our rotation so very much the same principle again we have our uh lingual bite ramp and here's an interesting view that i like to use uh to help me visualize my deep bite correction i like to turn on this So I can see some transparency and sometimes I even turn the superposition tool on and let it play. And I can see the shadows of my anterior teeth and I can see, okay, I'm just intruding uh, the upper incisors a little bit and about 80% of my bite uh, correction in the front is lower incisors intruding. And that's the way I communicate it. With my truth technician, I'll say, correct deep by uh, 20 over 80. 20% upper intrusion of the interiors, 80% lower intrusion of the anteriors, And they seem to be able to uh, recognize that math problem, and they usually set it up pretty pretty accurately. So a slam dunk case for me. Except it wasn't. And this is where she came back. And I like to show hiccups. Because if you do this long enough and treat so many cases, you're going to have a hiccup. And what I want you to walk away from this is uh, when this happens, you know what to do. And it doesn't uh, throw you for a loop. But Grace came back at the end of her aligner, and she had a bilateral uh, open bite from second molar to second molar. And um, I looked at her trays, and I realized that the molar tabs had been uh, cut off, the eruption, uh, have. And I talked to Grace about it and she had come into the office and complained about being a little bit sore and in an effort to help her, um, someone in the office had flipped them off for her. And this is kind of a side effect of, of that happening. So we scanned her and set up uh, refinement. Uh, we still had a little class two correction to go through as well. So it um, didn't really kill our efficiency uh, that much, and we were able to recover from it, but I'll show you how to do that. Okay, so you can see she's only a on her second molars. And this is the way uh, I put accrual turbos on. I don't fill them. And um, uh, they occlude on each other, and they put intrusive forces on the posterior molars. And in cases where I'm secreting an open bite, I may put those uh, on multiple teeth. But let's look at what happens here. So we're engineering in intrusion of our second molars, and you see the bite jump that happens. And I'll show you the other side. And again, during this time, we're still running our class two elastic. And we're intruding, intruding, and then we have our bite jump. So troubleshooting for uh, this case and other cases would be, if you have a hyper tooth, you can ask for uh, a turbos and you can actually engineer in some intrusion. In a deep bite case, especially a low angle case, I treat my uh, bite to end-to-end or sometimes even a half a millimeter open bite. I overcorrect my rotation by about five degrees, and I ask for two to four passive aligners at the end of the clincheck, so patients have something to wear while a refinement's happening or retainers are being fabricated. It's also a good idea if you have a patient have a dental checkup while they're waiting uh, before you make the retainers in case they have a filling or some other kind of a work to do uh, if you're making, a, say, vacuum-form retainers so they don't have to be remade. But this is how um, race finished. And in our 15-month uh, refinement or 15-stage refinement, excuse me, uh, the bite was able to settle in quite nicely. And uh, X-ray looks good. So let's look at a case um, that's even another level of complication. Uh, we have a, a case where we've got full cusp class two. Uh, and this is Grace number two. Uh, she's 10 years old, almost 11. And she came in with her family a little distraught because they had been recommended to get dental extractions of upper vitestis. And uh, they didn't want to have that done. And they were asking if there were any kind of alternative treatments uh, to that. So her diagnosis was uh, class 2 did DIV2, malocclusion, full cost. A skeletal class II malice in here, Uh, again a deep bite minimal overjet with severe crowding, uh, upper and moderate crowding lower, uh, narrow tapered arch forms, and as you'll see on her, uh, you can see a little bit right here, but on her scan and her clinch, she had a cross bite uh, in the molar area on the left, Um, her lower midline was to the left of her facial midline. And I prescribed upper and lower aligner therapy with distalization of her posterior teeth, um, an arch expansion on the left of the crossbite, and uh, again, elastics to facilitate her AP correction. And here you can see her completely blocked out maxillary canine. Again, making sure my case is set up correctly, and you can see the severity of her uh molar uh, class two. Again going back to our chart she's got more than a half plus class two. She's got an A and B of uh, between four and five in a mildly compact profile. So she fits in our sequential distillation category. So in this check, you're going to see that we uh, added short clasp to elastic for Grace. And we have a pontic in her uh, space that we're creating for her uh, cuspids. And then rotational control attachments on seven and 10. Because again, remember from our earlier case, we don't want the lateral incisor roots to uh, run into our canine crowns. And then she has a diastema, so you'll see root control uh, offset attachment on these uh, eight and nine, and especially nine needs uh, root control. The verbiage that I use often is to close diastema's moving the roots first. I find if I move the crowns first, then the roots lag behind. But if I focus on getting the roots where I want them first, then it's usually much easier to move the crowns. So here we're opening up her ClinCheck and we're going to see um, the staging that we use to make room for those cuspids. Here, this little shadow is our eruption compensation because she has the five cuspids coming in. We're proclining her anterior teeth. Notice how the root of the lateral incisor stays mesial. And again, I use undersized tonic so I can keep the adjacent teeth wrapped. I'm running a short class 2 I've got plenty of retention attachments to keep the trays in. Here are our offset root control attachments. And I'm moving the, the roots. And then we close the diap. So that's our that's our prediction setup. Nothing really remarkable on this view except that uh, we're gaining tremendous space and we're focusing a lot of our expansion again on this left side where we have our front site. So here is uh, a cruisable view. Uh, when Gray is done with her first series of aligners, and you can see it was quite successful in our proclination and making space for our customers. Here she is at that stage where we've got the space, and it took us 11 months, and you can see uh, her canines are now starting to drop down nicely. This is a slide showing the sequential distillation. And I want you to see in on what you're watching for in the clincheck. Here is a stage uh, zero, and you can see this space here opening up as the teeth move back. Again, that space moves forward as now the molar, first molar, distalizes. Here, you could start seeing a space opening in the bicuspid area, and then lastly, uh, the canine. And and then after that, the incisors are retracted. Now, on your staging diagram, you'll see quite different staging diagrams for division one and division two. In the top diagram, this represents posterior teeth distalizing sequentially and then the anteriors retracting somewhat in mass at the end. In a division two case, what you see is the proclination of the interior teeth happening simultaneously with the distalization of posterior teeth. So if you see these staging diagrams and they're different, but this is the explanation as to why they are. And here is Grace, and at this point, uh, in the meantime, she's been wearing nighttime uh, aligners that are somewhat passive and we've been trimming them as her cuspids come in. As you can see, I'm glad I picked aligner therapy for Grace because she's had a challenge with oral hygiene from the very beginning. And um, in brackets and liners, this would have been a very, very uh, tough case to keep uh, under control. But at this point, we have uh, Grace in um, additional aligners to finish bringing in her cuspids and settling for occlusion. And she still has her maxillary first bite tested, so she's happy about. Alright, so then here's another challenge I take. A patient comes in and they have a unilateral class two bite. So let's see who Zach. Zach's 16 years old and he's very athletic and very active in sports. He's adamant about not wanting braces, but he's concerned about his crowding and referred to his teeth as his "fucking front teeth." So our diagnosis for Zach was a Class two, number one, Division one malocclusion. He's full cusp on the left, and on the right he's uh, Class one. He has a mild Class two skeletal pattern, um, a deep bite, with some moderate overjet. Uh, moderate upper and lower crowding, again, a tapered, narrow, mid-arch, arch arch form. Um, His upper uh, midline is right of facial midline. And I want to point out something here that's very dramatic. His lower midline is here, and his uh, upper midline is one whole tooth over to the right uh, and off uh, by a whole tooth. So that's gonna be a challenge. And so for that, I prescribe upper and lower uh, Invisalign for arch development. And I thought I needed something easier than just uh, light elastic. So I prescribed a carrier distalizer on the left uh, with a uh, six ounce uh, alas- quarter inch elastic uh, for a AT correction. Here's his X-rays, and you can see his overjet on his left. And he's got an AMD that's a little bit more here uh, at 5.6. So uh, I scheduled Zach for 38 stages of Invisalign therapy. And um, there's a couple fun things about this ClinCheck. I want to show you, first of all, that it was set up with a carrier distalizer on the right and the left. Now, rather than send the ClinCheck back because I liked everything else about it, I chose to just ignore that and it didn't end up being a problem. But if we rotate over here where you can see the real issue is on the left side. So, uh, I use button cutouts for his distalizer, and on the canine, it's going to be placed a little bit more gingival than I normally do uh, in a case with, uh, that I'm going to treat with brackets and wires. And then on the bottom, I use a uh, molar bracket uh, to attach his uh, elastic tube. Now, one of the things I like about using a carrier distillizer with a liner is that they can wear their aligners with the distalizer and not uh, and try to control some of the side effects of the heavy elastics, which are uh, anterior to uh, lower uh, to proclination. But let's just play this through. And you can see I'm using a uh, continuous simulation that would mimic how a carrier would work. And then um towards the end we took the carrier off and then continued to run an elastic off a button to settle in uh some canine on this side. In the anterior you can see uh things moving over and the midline correcting and we did a little IPR right here because he had a uh, triangle because of the contour of the number 9th. So this is a slide showing you how I set up carry carrier distalizer. And I have the button cut out here with a bracket and I trimmed his aligners All along this buckle segment here, I had to lower the margin. uh, And that was very easy to trim. But he wore his uh, aligners along with his distalizer. You can see here, um, his an improvement in his B angle. And here he is uh, after about 18 months of aligner therapy. Uh, and a carrier distalizer. So um, after the distalization period, we did a refinement and he continued to wear a little bit of glass to elastic while we uh, finesse the bite and settled everything in. All in all, with such a severe uh, differential and the midlines and whatnot, it's a pretty nice result for as severe as it was and now Zach is off in college and enjoying sports at college level. So let's look at a case with severe crowding that we ended up treating with extraction. This is Kate and Kate is uh, about 12 years old and she presented in our practice uh, with uh, class two uh, dental division one malocclusion half tuck, uh left and right. Kelly, uh, though, she was fairly class one and she had severe crowding, tapered arches, uh, midline deviation. But the interesting thing, and the thing that's challenging about Kate is that she was missing tooth 13 and 29 and she had an impacted lower second molar and an impacted tooth number four. So we prescribed upper and lower Invisalign treatment for her, along with the extraction of the primary teeth and the impacted um, premolar. So here's her uh, x-ray and uh tells the whole story. She's got a tooth missing here. She's got a tooth missing here. This tooth is uh, ectopically erupting. She has um, impacted uh, second molar here and not enough room really for the second molar. So even though um, I hesitate to extract teeth, but sometimes it's really in the best interest of the patient to do. Looking at our chart, it's uh, not exactly the camouflage treatment, um, but the principles of uh, extracting teeth and how we're going to close the spaces uh, are the same, but I just want to point out that you can go to this chart. If you have a preferably non-grown patient and they have a full cusp class two, uh, then uh, it would tell you to extract upper body. In this case, we ended up treating her uh, because of the missing teeth and whatnot with four bodies. So here's Kate after her extraction. Um, I prefer the extraction suiz on before the scan because I like the plastics to have a more intimate adaptation uh, to the teeth. It's not always possible, but this is what I prefer. So her full phone check had fifty stages and um What we have here is a large space to close, and the G6 innovations for uh, a line were really uh, developed for first bicuspid extraction, the first premolar extraction, but they they work pretty well in this case too, and and I'll show you what I mean. So as the team, the roofs have like a virtual gable bend, so that keeps everything from dumping in. We've got our elastics to help with our class two corrections. We're getting nice reduction in our overjet. with our class two correction. And all in all, it looks really nice. Okay. Except it didn't. So at this, uh, for this case, I wanted to show you another little hiccup so you know not to do this. Um, I had used a flip a hook instead of button cutout and buttons on her cuspid and i ended up uh stopping at trade 26 and re-scanning and putting buttons on 6 and 11 because they weren't tracking so the moral of the story is if you have high rotated muscles especially in an extraction case which you might often have if you're going to have extractions because of the clear crowding um just go right to using buttons on your seat it's actually much more effective. So here we did our refinement and we uh, ordered our new trades with button cutouts on six and 11. And here that is set up now the way I probably should have set it up in the first place. And you can see how the button and the force vector would facilitate distal rotation and extrusion uh, if we set it up that way. All right, so after our refinement, um oh I just wanted to point out here again, if you have extractions and you have high and or rotated cuspids, think of your bracket wire patient, how you would use on a triangle uh, of class two elastic or even a straight class two elastic and to facilitate extruding and rotating your cuspid. Now this is a diagram of what the G6. Uh, first two molar extraction uh, features are. So you can see the offset uh, uh, root control attachments that help facilitate a virtual gable bend here. You can see attachments uh, on the anteriors, but what we can't see is the little pressure points that they put on the incisal edges that counteract the exclusion forces when you re- retract teeth. So it helps with this uh, anterior vertical control in this area. The other thing that happens with these is that the cuspid will go back about a third and get wrapped in plastic before the anterior teeth uh, distalized the mass. So here she is towards her finish, and it's looking quite nice. So I still need a little class 2 correction um, and I ran out of trays, so I did another refinement to get some more trays uh, so she could continue wearing her class 2 elastics on that right side that wasn't completely settled. And this is what we are going to finish working So all in all, uh, case at 71 stages and 20 months in treatment. So for a case like case where we've taken out uh, four bypasses and we've had a pretty heavy duty mechanic, all in all, that's a fairly efficient uh, treatment. Even uh, I think I could have shaved some of that treatment time off uh, if I hadn't had to switch mid-course mid and add buttons. So, I hope I saved you guys uh, making uh, that kind of uh, change. So where there still uh, was a gap in myeliner therapy uh, was for patients that needed uh, to uh, have mandibular advancement or growth modification in the mandible. So um, here is an idea that I've been using that seems to work. uh, And I have treated some patients with Invisalign, and the Mara appliance. So here is Garrick uh, and he's an 11-year-old, six-month, uh, handsome young man uh, who has quite severe uh, firing of his upper front teeth, and that was the chief complaint when they came in, is that they uh, had some fear with as active as he was getting in some of his things in sports and school that he might damage these front teeth. So our diagnosis for him was a class 2 dental malocclusion, uh, somewhat severe uh, with the overjet and class 2 molars, a class 2 skeletal pattern with a retrognathic mandible, an impinging overbite with excess uh, overjet, facing tapered arch, uh, midline deviation. And what we prescribed for him was upper and lower midline therapy, with mandibular advancement with Amara and also lower incisor intrusion for his spike. And then after his mandibular advancement stage, we would re-scan for post-mandibular advancement finishing with a second uh, series of aligners. So you can appreciate the severity of the anterior proclamation in this view. And he had an A and B angle of 8.4. So he fits in our chart on this side. He's a growing patient. He's got at least a half to a full cuff class 2, much greater than 4 A and B angle and a convex. Well, his facial profile isn't severely convex, but um, we would like to see some improvement in his facial balance. So we um, prescribed 44 stages of aligner therapy in its first uh, stages. And this ClinCheck, I'm going to show you, looks a little bit unusual in that it looks very small because I've asked for the aligners to be discontinued or shortened at the first by custom. So all I'm going to ask my aligners to do To consolidate space, okay, and you can see how the upper anteriors are retracting, and it looks unusual that I'm adding lingual bite ramps. But remember, he is going to be in an advanced position with his Mara activator, and I can really uh, use these lingual bite ramps to help facilitate the intrusion of his. Uh, mandibular incisors. So this shows the lingual bite ramps and um, I would just caution you to make sure that you're advanced far enough when you deliver these aligners that uh, they're not biting, not biting behind them, that that you're functional appliances activated enough. And here he is eight months into the advancement uh, period. you can see, his MARA is in place. His uh, maxillary anterior teeth are normalized. And um, we're going to let Mother Nature do its thing for a while. Here it is a little bit closer view. And you can see how the aligners and at the first bite, custom. Uh, my tips for treating these Class two teen cases are uh, to decide if buttons or hooks will help your situation uh, with retention, attachments uh, evaluated. This is an use for because the elastics will be pulling right on the aligners. And then some uh, people advocate building up composite buttons. Um, I typically either use a metal bracket or a ceramic bracket because they already have hooks on them and uh, it's very efficient uh, to put them on in the clinic. Again, I use light elastics whenever possible. Uh, use your bite lamps or your occlusal turbos uh, if you think any of the occlusion is going to get in the way of their advancement. And certainly with this visualization, um, as we showed in our cases, uh, uh, make sure that the patients realize that elastic uh, cooperation is a must. Now I'm going to uh, finish up with a surgery case. Um, this is a case that has severe class two. Uh, this is uh, Patricia, and she has a record map examinable, and uh, her chief complaint was her vertical maxillary excess. Um, she didn't like to smile because she had a gummy smile, and with her recruited or retroclined front teeth, uh, she had quite severe wear on her uh, maxillary interiors. So our diagnosis for Patricia was a Class 2 dental malocclusion, severe, a severe Class 2 skeletal malocclusion with her vertical maxillary excess, uh, a deep bite, excessive overjet. Uh, mild crowding, uh, tapered arches, and a little bit of a midline deviation. Our prescription for Patricia was uh, invisalign therapy, upper and lower, a pre surgery setup, and that would include after that a surgery with a maxillary impaction and a mandibular advancement, and then another series of aligners uh, to set her up for her restorative and to finish a lower incisor intrusion. So here are her x-rays, and you can see that she's damaged her anterior teeth to the point that she's already had some retinal therapy. In. She has a very large AMD of 12, which would put her in our chart at uh, definitely the category for uh, us prescribing surgery or 3 for her. Our first clincheck for her was 33 stages and basically our focus at this point is to remove dental compensation, so to round out her arches and then coordinate the arches for her surgery. So we'll look at um, eye view first and you can see how we're proclining the teeth. And taking out her dental compensation, there you just saw her surgical job right there. Okay, um, we've got some spaces that we're trying to create to help set up for her restorative, and um, everything looks really nice. One of the things I love about the design for surgery cases is that in the clinic, I can hold the aligners up, articulate them together, and have a fairly good idea of what my arch coordination is uh, without even having to take alginates and co and make models to check that out. And the surgeons that I've worked with have been very impressed with and beyond arch coordination. So here she is at the end of her pre-surgery stage. You can see the overjet that she has now and that uh, her teeth are fairly straight, but uh, now she's ready for her surgery jump. This is her right after surgery. And you can see on her panorama the amount of distance that they advanced her mandible. And you can see the surgical plate uh, in place for her maxillary impaction. Now, she didn't have any brackets and wires in place for surgery. The surgeon used uh, bone screws to run the intermaxillary elastics for his flint. And this is the dramatic profile change that our surgeon was able to achieve for her. So now we're on to her pre-restorative stage. Um, With her bite being so far off, uh, I didn't even really try to finesse the restorative stage and the pre-surgery stage. Uh, In my mind, it's easier to think about them in two separate stages. And so I set up a refinement for her to, um, after consulting with her dentist about spacing and clearance for her restoration. And here she is. And we had about 13 stages for this where we're flaring and creating more space, and controlling the deep bite a little bit more, okay? So that's about three months post, uh, post-surgery getting her ready for her restorative. For and after. And at the same time, we're settling uh, her posterior budget. For an after. And I really like being able to dial in and blue line and pretty accurate measurements, mesial distal for restorative. And here she is uh, right after her restorative phase. And she's very happy with her results. And this is a one-year follow-up. Uh, for her. And things are holding up quite nicely for her. I love her beautiful smile arc and her beautiful draw of smile. So my tips for treating surgery cases. First of all, find an excellent open-minded surgeon. I made multiple calls to surgeons in my area and was shut down at least four times being told, no, absolutely not. Uh, would not treat uh, an Invisalign patient uh, without putting some brackets and wires on for surgery, but I did find a surgeon that's been a dream to work with, and uh, I've had some really great uh, successes with aligners and surgery. Um, again, you can use uh, even just brackets and uh, no wires to help uh, with the intermaxillary elastic surgery, and it still will work. Uh, use your aligners to check your arch coordination. That's a great uh, trick. And then again, if you have a patient that has a severe deep bite and certainly a flat mandibular plane angle, I'd encourage you to over-engineer your deep bite correction, uh, at least the end-to-end maybe even a half millimeter open bite. So at this point, I need to check the time to see if we have more time to do another, look at another case, or if we need to wrap up for questions and answers.
1: How about five more minutes?
0: I can get through this case in five minutes.
1: Perfect. Let's do it.
0: Okay, this is Abby, and Abby seemed to me as she had had a lower incisor uh, taken out uh, earlier in childhood. And really, I had to count her teeth because um, I knew her health history said she'd had a tooth taken out, but I counted them, and it took me three times to count all those teeth before I realized, yes, my gosh, she really had a lower incisor out, and she had um, quite a bit of crowding even with that. So she's, at this point, 16 years old, and she has severe crowding, and she'd have her and lower incisor taken out. Uh, she has actually a class 1 dental malocclusion with a bit of a class 3 skeletal tendency, deep bite, minimal overjet, and tapered arch form. So uh, what I prescribed for Abby is upper and lower Invisalign and some IPR. So here is her x-ray. And the approved check I have for Abby with 42 stasis. and um, basically the main focus is uh, developing the arch and uh, widening a little bit and I'll talk to you somewhat now about a key factor here with severe rotation especially with round teeth I really want to see those faces before the rotations occur. See here, see here, see here. So that's the key in this case. And then our proclination and see the space there before the canine starts to rotate. Now, in Abby's case, you're going to have a little bit of extra overjet because of the missing tooth. And so that's why we prescribed a little bit of IPR. Uh, Another key factor in this case is um, the attachment on this lower incisor here. Getting it both root control, because the root is way off, and rotation. So you can use these long vertical attachments to kind of kill two birds with one stone. to rotates and control the root. And this is just some close-ups of how I like those visual spaces. And uh, if you can't tell, that's, that's a pet team of mine. But here is uh, her before and after approval, and you can see that the rotations unraveled quite nicely. Um, we ended up with a very short refinement for Abby, uh, because uh, the way the teeth were so severely crowded on the lower, she had a little bit of black triangle between a few teeth. And even though my preference wasn't really the IPR these because of overjet, Uh, from an aesthetic standpoint. Uh, She didn't want to get bonding there. So uh, we took a little bit of these corners down and closed that up for a little bit. So this is how she finished in 15 months. And um, Abby's quite happy with her results. So tips, my tips for treating mild to moderate crowding and facing. I can't hammer it home enough. Make sure that the tooth has space before the aligner pushes it into place. Pay attention to arch form. Sometimes you can widen arch form a little bit and adjust that and limit the IPR. Um, upright posteriorly tipped teeth. You can gain a lot of arch form by just uprighting posterior teeth over the bone. Move roots first, and sometimes the verbiage I use is ask for a virtual gable bend from our technicians. They know what that means. Um, And these kinds of cases being treated with aligners are absolutely fabulous for special patients that can't deal with uh, brackets and aligners. And I think that about wraps us up for today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Blevins. Great presentation. A couple of quick reminders. Please go to the link that's on your screen right now to take your survey and get your CE certificate. One week from today, this entire program will be archived at the Education tab on your Invisalign doctor site. I want to thank Dr. Rubens for a great presentation and for all of you for taking time out of your Friday to join us. We look forward to seeing you on another ASCI Expert webinar. Thanks very much.